Blog Talk Radio. Hi, this is Russ Terry, founder and CEO of Life Coach Radio Network. Today's sponsor is Audible.com, a leading provider of spoken audio entertainment and information. Listen to audiobooks whenever and wherever you want. Get a free audiobook when you sign up for a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. That's audibletrial.com slash lifecoachradio. And now, here's today's show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to Making Inspired Choices with Coach Linda. I'm your host, Linda Stevens-Jones, and I'm a certified Christian life coach. It's wonderful to have you with me today. To all of you who are listening to this show after the live broadcast, thanks for listening. And if this is your first time tuning in today, welcome. Come on in and get comfortable for what I like to call an hour of uplift and encouragement. I'm here the first and third Tuesdays of every month at 12 noon Eastern. The ways I try to leave you encouraged and uplifted is by choosing a topic you can delve into. I offer a few coaching tips and thought-provoking questions, and I also do a personal interview with a guest. At the end of each show, I always leave time for you to call in and ask questions or join the conversation. I hope you'll decide to make a regular date with me by taking down the info on the contact slide that's showing on the screen so you can join my list. If you join my list, you'll receive the show link and some show info directly before each broadcast. Now let me send a big shout-out of thanks to my last guest, Mr. Lawrence Clark. Lawrence is a retired USDA executive that's the U.S. Department of Agriculture. He's a retired executive and church administrator. Lawrence, it was quite a pleasure to walk back through your life and world travel work experiences. Audience, if you missed it, go back for a listen. It's loaded with nuggets of wisdom. And now for today's topic. I'm super excited about this one because I believe it applies to every single one of us. Today, our topic is test your limits. Your limits. (laughs) We're talking about stretching, taking the leap of faith, moving beyond your comfort zone where everything is familiar bigger and more impactful aspects of living. I know that's a mouthful. (laughs) So what am I really talking about? Okay, we all have our routines and schedules in life, what we do every week, Monday through Friday, and every weekend, season by season. We've got it down pat, year after year after year. Well, you know what routines can become if we're not careful? They can become ruts. (laughs) That's right. 
deep grooves of sameness where we're not using our gifts or pursuing our passions, maybe a little more like going through the motions. And we start to think things like, is this all there is? Not that we aren't really busy. We're busy. Lots of doing, running from one place to the next, shopping, working, serving, getting a little sleep, and the next day, the same tempo and activities are waiting for you again. Now, I'm not judging. We all have seasons when we're in school, we're raising our children or grandchildren, or we're taking care of aging parents. In those times, our schedules may be dictated by the demands of our responsibilities. That's totally understandable. But have you ever had a longing to try something new, to visit someplace far away, to teach others something you already know well, or any other kind of dream that you've buried or maybe you're afraid to begin. You may even feel the nudging of the Holy Spirit to use your strengths, your spiritual gifts, and passions in some way, but you resist. Even be hiding behind your other responsibilities? Hmm, just a question. (laughs) Sometimes, you know what the issue may boil down to? just my assessment, sometimes it boils down to courage, having the courage to try. Because we may be saying to ourselves, what if I fail? Or I've gotten too old to do this. Or we may be saying, what will my children or spouse say if I tell them about this dream I have? Well, today... I'm inviting you to consider that whatever your dream or idea is, it's worth a try. It may require some trade-offs of how you spend your time or money, but so be it. I'm inviting you to consider that the only real limits there are are your preconceived limits. What if you go for it despite your preconceived limits? What if you apply some courage and overcome your fears and test your limits? I can feel somebody out there asking, why this topic today? (laughs) I'm glad you asked. In coaching, when I see clients test their limits, actually that's when they are reaching for their truest potential, That stretching results in far more fulfillment. I see it over and over again. I've experienced it personally as well. And we've all seen inspiring stories of people who've overcome fears and tested their limits, which resulted in tremendous achievement physically, spiritually, socially and emotionally, and financially. I wonder 
if there could be something so meaningful and fulfilling for you that it's worth testing your limits, it's worth taking the risk. What do you think? There's a beautiful quote that I want to share with you as you ponder this topic. It's by Bruce Wilkerson from his outstanding book, The Dream Giver. In it, he says, courage is not the absence of fear. Rather, it's choosing to act in spite of the fear. You could say that without fear, you can't have genuine courage. When you do act in courage, you discover that fear doesn't have to stop you. You see that what you thought were your limits are more like starting points. I'm going to repeat that. What you thought were your limits are more like starting points. How's that for perspective? (laughs) Well, I've got a perfect guest for a discussion on this topic of testing your limits. Let me introduce him right now. And I look forward to hearing your comments about this topic a little later in the show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is a privilege to have as my guest today Dr. Michael J. Marks. Michael is the founder of Blazing New Trails Coaching. He is a sought-after business and life coach for those who want to explore new directions. Michael's purpose is to be a catalyst and his greatest joy is seeing people move from having a stalled life to a dynamic one. Michael holds the Professional Certified Coach Credential from the International Coach Federation, the Professional Certified Christian Coach Credential from Christian Coaches Network International, as well as being a certified professional life coach. He brings more than two decades of experience in teaching, coaching, and mentoring in an international arena. Michael is also the current president of the Christian Coaches Network International and serves as the leader of the International Coach Federation Ethics Community of Practice. In 2016, he became a published author, His new book is Ethics and Risk Management for Christian Coaches. Michael lives at 8,162 feet in the mountains of Colorado with his wife, Joy, and a dozen sled dogs. Michael, welcome to the Making Inspired Choices radio show. It's such a pleasure to have you as my guest. Thank you, Linda. It is just a great joy and honor to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Absolutely. Well, you know this broadcast is designed to give hope and encouragement and a place of support for the audience. I know that what you're going to share today will invite our audience to consider more inspired choices in their own lives. We've got lots to talk about, but first I want to let the audience get to know you a bit. Okay. Um, tell us, yeah, tell us where you grew up and what your growing up years were like. <laughs> I grew up in <laughs> upstate New Jersey and um, kind of in the shadow of Manhattan. Um, you know, we had uh, a very 
tight knit little community on our our dead end street um and uh you know the 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 kids were just always all together and and I, I was thinking about this the other day, you know I probably spent most of my free time watching television like most kids did in the 60s, but that's not Mm -hmm. my fondest memories. My fondest memories are going outside and building tree houses with my buddies and playing in the pond and and falling Mm -hmm. in the pond and, you know, and that kind of thing that was just, you know, outside and and, then free. Those are the things that I remember. Mm -hmm. I remember that too. We would be outside all evening long um, after school every day. (laughs) Um, Exactly. (laughs) What is a life lesson that you learned when you were younger that you still hold to today? Well, you know, um, both of my parents immigrated from Europe and uh, came with a lot of experiences from Germany, you know, during the war and directly after the war. And Mm -hmm. then they came to the United States and it's like a new life, a new place, a new beginning. And, Mm -hmm. you know, they, they taught me and showed us that it's all about moving forward. And Mm -hmm. even though there was a lot of trauma in their lives coming to the United States and, you know, before that, um, uh, my my father was a was a was a prisoner in Dachau, you know, in in Germany, and mm. that, that sounds worse than it is. He was actually um, there after it was liberated, and then he was put a prisoner in there. It's, it's a little complicated to explain, but the point is, he saw mm. Dachau in its original form right after it was liberated, and then was tasked with cleaning. And he never talked about that. He always said, "That's not important. Mm-hmm. What's important is the present and the future," and that just always resonated with. Me. Wow. Oh, I love that. I love that, to be able to just focus on where you are now and moving forward. Mm-hmm. Um, well, tell us a few of your core values, if you will, Michael. Well, um, you know, it, it seems to me that what happens all day long is I'm looking at the clock and I'm working on my calendar to get the most in as possible. And I'm pretty motivated mm-hmm. and pretty good at it after, you know, 55 years of practice. I used to think that time management was a science and and then I thought time management was an art. And nowadays <laughs> I just think, oh, it's just a lifestyle. But, you know, mm-hmm. where I'm going with that is that how you spend your time even more so than how you spend your money is really a reflection on who you are and what you do. And I was thinking about this, you know, recently looking at how I spend my time and, and really it's all about helping people. I think my course, Oh, I started to say my course value. Is that a good word? <laughs> my, my most core, my most core value um, is helping people. Um, you know, it's just, the greatest fun, the greatest joy, and the most meaningful thing that I can do when I see that my time is being spent in helping people. And sometimes mm-hmm. that returns to me, um, you know, with financial gain, and 
a lot mm-hmm. of the time, you, probably most of the time, it doesn't. So that really doesn't mm-hmm. matter. It really doesn't even make any difference to me whether it's mm-hmm. um, something that is returning to me financially. Um, mm-hmm. I think that, you know, at the end of the day when you say, I used my time wisely and most of it was spent helping people, that's a good day. That's a really good day. I agree. Thank you. Mm. Um, as the head of a coaching organization, as a coach, an author, a speaker, what do you enjoy most about this season in your life? Well, yeah, just to stay in that vein, it, it is helping people. It's meeting people. It's connecting mm-hmm. with them, um, hearing their mm-hmm. stories. You know, I love to get yes. members calling up and and saying, you know, oh, I'm trying to do this and I'm trying to do that. And I just say, you know, tell me your story. And everybody's mm-hmm. got a, such a fascinating story, especially when they're at the point where they're saying, you know, I'm ready to move forward. Um, you yeah. know, I'm, 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 I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And, uh, <laughs> you know, they often say, you know, how does that sound to you? And I say, you know what? You're in a good place. You're in a good place. You're ready to start having positive change, and we're going to help you, you know, either through my own efforts or through the organization's efforts to, to accomplish that. I I get that. I I greatly appreciate the that beginning or when people take that step or how enjoyable that is when people are finally ready to do something different and move forward. I want to, as um, your book was published last year, I'd love to um, have you tell us some about your book and where it's available. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, the book arose out of the need for um, a book on ethics for Christian coaches. Um, Okay. You know, the publisher basically approached me and said, Michael, you know, we have this this need here. What could you imagine putting together? And originally we were thinking about kind of like a quick 50-page guideline, but, you know, as I started Mm -hmm. getting into it, it's like, wow, there's there's so little on the market in, Mm -hmm. in libraries about ethics especially in the coaching world, there's only a couple of books. Um, mm-hmm. And so there was just a great need for it. And and I know that, you know, getting a book is not necessarily everybody's, you know, favorite topic. I think, you know, not most people thing. would just pass, pass that right by it on the bookshelf just so they saw that. But, you know, uh, the, the couple hundred people that have read it since it came out in August uh, have just given me amazing feedback. Just just one quick story, you know, I, I sent it to a very analytical reviewer, um, mm-hmm. you know, to, to, to check over after it was first out in hardback. And, um, uh-huh. you know, I knew that she's, she's really tough on the, the logic of, of, of things. So I wanted her opinion on the book. And um, mm-hmm. and, and she took it to her, her, her bed to read. You know, she thought it would put me to sleep in just a couple of minutes. And an hour later, her husband came in and he said, what are you doing? She said, I'm reading this book. He said, it's on ethics. She said, yeah, it's really fascinating. <laughs> wow, that's, uh, that's 
quite a uh, endorsement. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's quite an endorsement. Yeah, I have not it, had a, a chance. It, oh, you haven't had a chance to read it yet? Um, I haven't well, had a chance you know, to read it yet, but I look forward to it. If if anybody sends me an email, um, you know, I can get you a copy autographed. And that's actually the, the fastest way to get it because I have some in, on my shelf here. Um, but otherwise, you can get it from Amazon.com or um, Barnes and Nobles online. Um, just put in the title, you know, okay. Risk uh, Ethics and Risk Management for Christian Coaches, Michael J. Marks, and you'll find it. Okay, Ethics and Risk Management in Christian Coaching. Okay. For Christian Coaches, um, yep, that's it. For Christian Coaches, say um, you've you've uh, shared that it was found to be very valuable. Tell tell us a, a little bit about the core of what you're sharing in the book, if you will. Well, Linda, it comes down really to some really simple premises. Um, I think everybody agrees that living ethically, behaving ethically is a good thing. But what does that mean in practice? And we often look at ethics as a punitive process. You know, what are the lines mm-hmm. that I should not cross? Um, mm-hmm. But really, you know, what I'm trying to bring out in uh, the book and also what we're trying to do in the ICF ethics community of practice is, is emphasize that ethics is really a, a positive way of living. It's um, kind of a right living premise and it really comes down to respect. And if you put other people's viewpoints and needs and um, really even their wants in front of your decision-making and respect that, uh, then it's really unlikely that you're going to cross the line into something unethical. And it's mm. also highly likely that you're... Um, clients and the people that you're interacting with will enjoy you all the more because of the high level of respect that they see. So sometimes it just means going a little bit further than you normally would to um, do something respectful. For example, uh, I got an email just last week from somebody saying, you know, if I want to recommend a client to another client because client A has a service that client B is going to um, use, you know, mm-hmm. find beneficial. Mm-hmm. Um, can I just connect them or what do I have to do? And I said, well, you know, just back off from this a little bit and make it a little bit longer of a process. You contact B and say, I'd like to recommend you to A. And then mm-hmm. you contact A and say, I'd like to, you know, refer you to B. And so you've got a couple mm-hmm. emails in between before you actually put them together. And it, it tells mm-hmm. A and B that you are honoring their identity protection. So, yeah, mm-hmm. it takes a couple more steps for you, but you also communicate to both clients A and B that you are respecting their right to privacy. Yes. Great example. Absolutely. It's worth adding those steps to really be respectful of of clients and not take anything for granted. Uh-huh. Yeah, I I get it. Thank you for that. Um I'd also love for you to tell us about your international experience. 
I know you've mm. been teaching and things elsewhere. Exactly, yeah. My wife and I lived for 23 years of our adult lives in Germany, six years in Berlin and 17 years in Hanover. And my wife set up a business for travel, uh, people that wanted to ski in the Rocky Mountains of the United States. Um, and I set up a consulting business, and that was also resulted in teaching. I found out that I couldn't do one without the other. I needed to always teach, and I still teach. Um, it's part of my persona, it's who I am. Um, mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we we just worked in Germany. Um, some people refer to us as tent-making missionaries. We, we did a lot to serve the mm -hmm. Lord, but we earned our own income on the economy. And I learned a lot about, you know, being flexible and, like I talked about, respecting the culture. Um, you know, the, the, the Germans have a lot of, uh, how should I say, expectations um, on how people should behave. And um, to, to, to live there and, and have fun working with the people, you have to adjust to that. Mm -hmm. I can appreciate what you're saying. I, um, yeah, it's, it's going there and not trying to Americanize it, right? <laughs> Exactly. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, we are talking about test your limits today. Uh, that's what I've been talking to the audience about. I I believe this topic is perfect for you as a founder, a sought after and founder of um, coach. And just the title of your company tells me that. Um, Test Your Limits is going to be a great topic. Blazing New Trails Coaching. Uh -huh. Tell us about your work at Blazing New Trails Coaching. Yeah, I mean, um, I have a website for my German clients called Dyadic Coaching, and it's very static and it's, um, you know, mm -hmm. good for the German market. And you know, when I came back to the United States, uh, Linda, um, I was living in a camper. Uh, we mm -hmm. decided not to decide where we were going to live permanently. And so we bought an RV and we traveled around living and working online in the camper for a year and a half. And then another year and a half, we had it parked in Alaska where um, my wife learned the ins and outs of professional dog sledding, uh, which is wow. what she's doing right now. As we speak, she's running tours here in Colorado with um, some of our dogs. And, you know, I like to say to people that after three years of living in a camper, we traded it for a, um, a dog truck and two sleds and a dozen sled dogs. And with those, we moved to Colorado and set up camp here where, like I said, I could work at 8,100 feet in my office virtually online, and my wife can run her dogs. And on the weekends, you know, Saturday and Sunday, I'm a, a volunteer ski guide for the ski mountain down the street on Saturdays, and on Sunday I'm a, um, a mountain chaplain. And um, 
you know, I'll be preaching this coming Sunday um, at 1.30 Slopeside. So it's kind of ski in, ski out services. So all of these things come together <laughs> to, to make my life, wow. you know, kind of like you say, wow. Uh, and I was talking to someone the other day. She um, lives in a monastery in Sri Lanka. And she said, you know, Michael, people think that my life and your life is pretty amazing. But to us, it's just living, isn't it? And I'm like, yeah, I, I totally get that. There's just a, a lot that goes into a day when you have these type of circumstances. But it's a very deliberate choice. And mm. all that just kind of as a predecessor to answer your question, what are my clients? They're, they're kind of looking, saying, I like that. Um, I, I want to test the limits. I want to see what mm. I can do and live intentionally, not as a um, – a victim of my circumstances, but in mm-hmm. control of my environment. And especially when God's in control of that here, then I really feel like I'm in the right place doing the right thing at the right time. And so yes. my, my my clients come to me and they're not really looking for, you know, being pioneers, nor are they really looking for being rich or, or even first. They just want to do mm-hmm. something with their lives that has so much meaning that other people will follow it and blaze mm-hmm. new trails so that other people can follow it and find a new, new and improved ways of doing things. And it's, it's really interesting the type of people that I, that I get. They're not all entrepreneurs. You know, some of them are okay. small business owners. Some of them work in big companies. But they're all looking for having the next phase of their life being, um, you know, a exploration and how to do something in a way that other people can follow. Mm. Audience, I hope you are um, tuned in here and um I actually hope you're asking yourself, hmm, what are some of the things that I long to do? Or what are the ways that I want to light the fire or inspire others? Great, great thoughts, um, Michael, in terms of the kind of people who who find you at uh, Blazing New Trails Coaching. Ultimately, they're looking, I understand, it's not just about them. They're wanting to uh, have an impact on others as well. Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. And I find that, you know, maybe it's <laughs> a midlife transition thing um, where mm-hmm. people are saying, I spent the first half chasing other people's dreams. Now I want to start mm-hmm. chasing mine. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, I, and I call it transition, Linda, because I, I don't believe midlife has to be a crisis. I think it's just, right. you know, you get to the point where you're saying, okay, um, adding everything together, what makes sense for the next phase of my life? Because what I've done up until now hasn't really been it. So what is mm-hmm. it and what does God mm-hmm. want me to do? Yes. Yes, I think I think transition saves it nicely. And I'm imagining there's some peeling away of what I talked about earlier is, is when we get into our routines and frankly they can become ruts because we know it uh, like the back of our hand, we can do it with our eyes closed or like on autopilot. 
what our weeks and months consist of. But then we reach this place or a space where we want something else or we want to um, have something that enriches our uh, or taps into our own needs and desires that God has put there. So I, I greatly appreciate the kind of clientele that you're seeing. Um, well, here's something I want to ask as a fellow coach. Um, what are some of the limiting beliefs that you see with clients? Or how do you, you know, for people who come who who still have yeah, but, you know, I, I kind of see this as something I've always wanted to do or, you know, the very dream. But they are still holding up, well, I can't do it now because, or I want to, but I can't because. How do you address uh-huh. those kind of uh, beliefs with your clients? Well, one of my favorite definitions of fear, F-E-A-R, uh-huh. is um, F-E-A-R, false evidence appearing real. Yes. And I think that, you know, when it comes to, well, that would be really neat. I think I, I'd like to live in a boat or, you know, travel around in an RV. But mm-hmm. you now you're going to come up with a, a lot of things um, that probably are not going to make any difference. What would my family say? Well, they'll probably say I'm a little crazy. Okay, so what? <laughs> you know, they say that anyway about you, don't they? <laughs> um you know what what would my neighbors think you know if i if I lived in a camper so mm-hmm. what you know they're gonna think something anyway, yeah. and most of the time people are not thinking about you, they're thinking about themselves <laughs> you know it's always kind of amazing how we get afraid of people's opinions, and really all they are doing is being afraid of what they think people are thinking about them. And, and, you know, I think we all know about these psychological studies that say something like 92% of what we worry about is never going to happen. And Mm -hmm. of the other 8%, you know, 6% might happen, but it's like statistically unlikely. And you really only have a 2% risk factor on anything that you might commonly worry about. So, um, you know, it, there's just a lot of fear out there. Okay, I go on the road and I live in a camper and what would happen if there's a terrible accident and it turns upside down on its roof? <laughs> After driving 10 days from Louisiana to Alaska and getting mm-hmm. within 90 miles of your destination, can, can, can you tell Linda I'm not telling you a fictitious just short story. You know, this really happened to me. We were drove ten days to get to Alaska, and turned the camper on its roof. I, I thought well, you were sounding like you had a lot of experience there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, you could worry about that happening all you want, and and we got you know this eight hundred fifty dollars stabilization system, you know, for the for the trailer, so that would happen. You know, we we had some risk management in place. But still, we hit black ice and we jackknifed and we turned it on its roof. 
And my point, though, is that, um, you know, it's just tough. It's just tough, you know? It's just mm-hmm. items. It's just mm-hmm. things. And so, you know, within two weeks, we, we bought a new camper. You know, the insurance paid for it. And we, um, you know, had really enough money from the insurance adjustment. To, to, uh, and life went on. Mm-hmm. It was it was tragic. And we, we lost a lot of stuff. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, to me, the, the time I spent, you know, building up the camper, that's what, you know, bothered me wasn't the loss of stuff or money, but, the time that uh-huh. I invested, because like I said, I'm pretty time sensitive. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, you know, but even that, it's like, okay, it's done. It was a good experience. You know, I learned a lot about how to outfit a camper and uh, it turned on its roof when we lost it. Wow. So what I'm hearing is you, you don't dwell on you know, in advance of what could go wrong or even when something goes wrong or different than you planned, you just deal with it. Yeah, well, you, you know, that's my, go. that's my book, um, Ethics at Risk Management. You know, <laughs> the better part of, of valor is planning. And I, I don't mm-hmm. know people that are good explorers, you know, the ones, you know, I, I, left, I live here in the wilderness, um, and mm-hmm. those people that go out into the country usually are well prepared, you know. Mm-hmm. They have a compass with them. They have a map with them. They have a GPS mm-hmm. device. That they, 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 they know how to handle circumstances. So it's not like mm-hmm. foolish adventuring. You know, most mm-hmm. – I, I read an interesting quote that said, um, most entrepreneurs are actually risk-adverse and not risk-loving. Ah, because if you're risk-loving, you're more than likely going to squander your resources too quickly and therefore not mm-hmm. be able to stay in the game long enough to build the business. Hmm. I had not thought of it that way. Now, you know, I'm, I'm getting the clear sense that you won't be overcome by circumstances. But for every broadcast that we do... Um, when I uh, started the show, I knew that we all have seasons in our lives where challenges seem to get the best of us, or we feel maybe mm-hmm. overcome by challenges. With all of your, well, one, with your mindset and your approach, your success in your roles as a nonprofit director, author, coach, teacher, I call that living the dream. <laughs> Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But have you had periods also, Michael, where um, maybe you had to conquer fears or face a major uh, challenge in life? And if so, we'd love if you'd be willing to share and what helped help you to get through that um, challenge. Well, you know, there's, I guess like all of us have just so many examples where God was really faithful to, to bring us through. And, and, and I think, you know, the key is not really thinking about what if, but when, and when it happens, um, also taking time, not necessarily during the um, catastrophe, 
but certainly mm-hmm. later to reflect on that and saying, what have I learned about myself? Um, mm-hmm. When you ask the question, you know, something actually very different um, than, you know, campers and dog sledding came to my mind. But, um, you know, mm-hmm. in, in the year 2000, I was uh, teaching a class in a college and, um, you know, I enjoyed working in that college because they pretty much gave us uh, free reign to, you know, manage the, uh, the, the the class any way we wanted, you know, as long as mm-hmm. um, there was, you know, a rich curriculum and a, and a final exam at the end. Well, uh-huh. in this particular class, you know, I, um, I, I managed the way and the, the students were really enjoying it. And I gave them an example of this type of question, one question they would get on their final exam, which they had to write a long essay for because I wanted to get them to be thinking in the direction. So I didn't give Mm -hmm. them the test question. I just gave them an example of what the question could look like. And I effectively got fired for that. Um, Wow. And I thought I was doing a good pedagogical thing But what it really taught me was, you know, even though you're doing what you think is right, there still are limitations, in other words, rules, really, on what the system involves. And just because I was able to run the class the way that I wanted to didn't mean that, you know, I could just run the final exams because these were certified final exams and, um, you know, the uh, the question was not allowed to be given out in advance. And even though mm-hmm. all I did was give a similar example, that was enough to cross the line. And, mm-hmm. you know, as you pointed out, I've since written a book on ethics and risk management for Christian coaches because it really taught me, though, that even though you've got a free spirit and you want to do things mm-hmm. that are going to help people and your intentions are pure, you mm-hmm. still might have a system around you that requires – um, a certain type of of checks and balances, and you need to make sure that you're not crossing those lines before you inadvertently, mm-hmm. and without evil intentions, of course, but inadvertently cross the line and do something that is, um, you know, against the rules, and justifiably, mm-hmm. you know, get penalized for this. I understood completely after it was explained to me that that was not the way the system worked and I was not allowed to do that and I would not allow to be a, teach, be a teacher in that school again. And that really, really hurt. But it really opened my eyes to the fact that just because you are an explorer and you like to do mm-hmm. things new and you know, have new adventures here, it doesn't mean that you can cross the line and do things any way you want to any time. Mhm, mhm. Let's see. Um, when you were going through that, um, what what was obviously a major trial. Um, mm-hmm. How did your faith um, play a role in dealing with that challenge? Would you say? Oh, that was amazing time because you know. I um I felt so vulnerable and so you know um exposed um mm-hmm. guilty and um when I explained the situation to my friends they all said yes I we can understand why you did what you did 
and we can understand why you got fired. Um, and it's okay. You know, there were friends there, people, there were people praying for me. Um, and more than anything else, you know, I felt God saying, you know, this, this too will pass. This is uh, something that you, you needed and it will benefit others as you move forward. And just his love and acceptance and forgiveness um, was just, just huge. And, and obviously it's become kind of part of my um, calling in life is to help people, in my case, particularly Christian coaches, um, look towards how they can expand and grow and, and um, you know, help their clients explore, but also look to where those lines are that might need to be paid attention to. So, like, let's call them guardrails, you know. They're there for a reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you don't want to smash into a guardrail just because uh, you think you can bounce back from it because you might actually mm-hmm. just plow right through it and, and have more experience than you were bargaining for. So even even when you um, kind of want to feel unleashed and open to explore and do and be guardrails, that's, mm-hmm. a, that's a beautiful analogy. Mm-hmm. And I would say to the audience, I hope you have an appreciation of how while there are places and times we need to test our limits with regard to our thinking and our what we feel are our abilities or capacities, it doesn't mean without any checks and balances. So mm-hmm. that's a that's a valuable uh reminder. Um, Michael, and obviously God has used it to let you become um, a subject matter expert in this arena regarding ethics and uh, risk management uh, in the Christian coaching arena. So that's that's a beautiful outcome for for all of us Christian coaches. Well, and it's also you know something that you realize, you know, this this wasn't something that I was trained in, you know, when I went mm-hmm. to school in my 20s, you know, this isn't mm-hmm. anything that was on my radar. It, it comes mm-hmm. up, and God has formed these experiences in your life to bring you to the point where you have a unique special message that he mm-hmm. wants you to share. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's not that you've done anything wrong per se, it's that you've had a learning experience that other people need to know about. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I get excited when people say, you know, I've been through so much and I just want the rest of my life to you know, be meaningful. It's like, you know, wow, what a perfect place to be because now God is able to take what all you've learned and package that into a message that other people will benefit from. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just like, you know, the best case scenario in the world when you are ready to be um, that type of example for other people. Mm-hmm. That's such a huge taking the challenge and the trial or difficulty and making it count in such a powerful way when countless others can learn from or draw from your experience or your message 
that is powerful. You know, that I hope that our audience uh, is feeling the encouragement of that idea. When we're going through the challenges, it feels like, this, why is this happening to me and I'm alone? But be reminded of the potential benefit to countless other people if we just hold on and hold to our faith when we're going through the challenges. Um, wow. Well, Michael, what you shared just reminds us of so much. You know, we've all had stressful and hard to cope with times, but get the purpose, get the greater purpose of what of what you're going through. Um, I want to let our listeners get in on this conversation. Um, right now, listeners, we want to hear your comments and thoughts about our discussion. I invite you to call in with your comments or questions. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, to join us, to talk about testing your limits or anything that Michael or I have shared, just call us at one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. That's one six four six seven one six nine three nine seven. We have a caller that is already in the queue. Let me see if I can have them join us. Caller at 703-646. Press 1 and you're on live with us. Yes, good afternoon. Yes. Caller, go right ahead. Good afternoon. I just have a, a, call, a question for Michael, and welcome yes. to this very interesting uh, conversation. <clears throat> and I wanted to get your thoughts on um, speaking to people who need to make a change in their life and need to somehow find a way to get to their plan for a change in direction. And let me tell you a little bit more. Um, I recently retired after 33 years of federal government service. And once I retired, I realized what joy it is, what freedom it is to be able to do and have my own direction to make the choice of whatever I want to do, I'm able to do it. Now, mm -hmm. saying that, I do realize it's after 33 years of a career. But mm -hmm. I realize also that if, unless you're doing something that you absolutely love, that you absolutely have a passion for, that you're basically earning a living. You may be miserable in that job, but you're basically earning a living. But the joy that you can obtain from having the freedom to have your own direction in life, which will take a plan, and no one yeah. could have ever told me the joy that you can you have from this feeling. And so what I've been telling friends and family 
if there's any way possible for you to get to a position where you can find a path to earn a living through something that you can love and have joy, do it. Mm-hmm. And it takes, I know that it takes guts. It may be easier for me to say that after finishing a career. But my mm-hmm. God, if anyone could have told me of this feeling of freedom. And so I'm wondering if Michael might, or Linda, you might be able to speak to the audience on how, what are the steps that a person can take that says, I'm miserable in what I do, and I am looking for an alternative path to joy in my life that gives me freedom to earn a living and mm-hmm. get on a path to experience something that's going to be that's going to present a whole new way of life for me mm-hmm. and a wholeness and a freedom and a joy that I can experience because mm-hmm. it is so mm-hmm. worth it. And I'll let you wow. go guys go ahead and speak to that. Thank you. Oh wow. Yeah. Michael Michael, please share your thoughts. That that is something I think a lot of our listeners relate to, what what our uh, callers put on the table of feeling some Absolutely. in season that that she has gotten away from and now is experiencing uh, a much more joyful and, and um, free, free sense of living. But, Michael, what are your thoughts? Well, first of all, I want to say that, you know, a government job can be a really good thing. Um, My son, you know, had a very turbulent teenage time, and he missed a lot of opportunities for higher education because of the way he made choices. And now he's working for the government, and it's like, wow, I've got a future. I've got a perspective. I can feed my family for the next 20, 30 years if I want to. This is really cool. Um, Mm -hmm. And so what I'm saying is, you know, it's it's not necessarily the same old, same old that makes a job, um, you know, what the caller is identifying as less than, you know, interesting to to make Mm -hmm. it simple. But, um, you know, you can have a life around uh, your job, which is so meaningful Mm -hmm. that those eight hours or 10 hours a day that you spend doing it um, enable you to really make an impact in other ways. At the same point Mm -hmm. in time, add all that time together, you know, 40 hours a week, 160 hours a month, you know, do the math over years. That's a lot of time. You're spending a lot of time maybe doing something that you don't really enjoy. Um, mm-hmm. I think that in most cases, there are ways to get into a transition either through that employer or a different one. Um, it usually just takes the courage to answer the question, what is God calling me to do? What is my purpose here on earth? And how do mm-hmm. I work towards that purpose? Um, you know, my wife decided 10 years ago, I've been sitting at a desk for 30 years. I don't want to do this anymore. Mm-hmm. And she 
you know, got it in her head that the coolest thing on earth would be to run sled dogs. And it took us, um, you know, a good six or seven years before that was even beginning to be possible. But it became, Mm -hmm. you know, for her just this goal, this like, I want to run sled dogs. Um, not just have them as pets, but to run sled dogs commercially. Mm-hmm. That is the coolest thing that I could ever imagine doing. And that tenacity of purpose to come out of the box, and, you know, it, it meant selling our home. Mm-hmm. It meant selling our business. It meant living in a camper in Alaska two winters mm-hmm. at minus 30 degrees. Um, you know, it, it meant a lot. But it is possible always to say, you know, I really think this is what God wants me to do. Mm-hmm. And because mm-hmm. that's what he wants me to do, I'll not stop at anything. In other words, I will do this until it's done, even if it takes me seven years or in the case of Moses, 40, you know. It does wow. sometimes yeah. take a lot of time, but it also takes this um, this, this this calling, this this purpose at your core, saying, "I know this is what I'm I'm to do." Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to just add to that for our caller. Um, I think it's if you if you feel you're stuck somewhere, and it's not where God intends you to be in your spirit, and you you know you have to take a little time to just tune in to. You know, what do you feel called to do? As Michael said, I I would certainly say that people need to go step by step. They're, the answer may not unfold for them as clearly as it did for Michael's wife in terms of she knew and nothing was going to deter her from um, her work with sled dogs. But the beautiful thing is, Everyone has some purpose, and they can discover it, and they can find ways to feed it even when they're working in unsatisfying jobs, and they can be planning a path to be able to have more and more exposure and time and those things that give them that sense of fulfillment and and freedom and uh, that they are really living their purpose. So I would just invite you to share that caller with any folks who you're crossing paths with. And I understand that feeling of after retirement, you feel like you want everyone to have that feeling. Um, But even when we are in jobs that are secure, they are not our calling, but they provide, as Michael said, they provide the means to have some impact elsewhere in certain seasons. So I invite them, frankly, I invite them to get with a coach and help them to uncover their Mm -hmm. gifts and those passions and the things that they need. And truly, out of that, they discover that purpose. And they can set a plan in action, maybe, I think, maybe faster than contemplating it on their own. But thank you so much, caller, for your comments and for your questions. We have another caller on the line. 
We have another caller on the line from 919 area code, and the prefix is 244. Caller, press 1, and you're on live with us. Good afternoon. My name is Margo Dawson. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great. I'm so glad that I was able to catch the uh, latter part of the show. I'm just leaving my mom's in prayer group in North Carolina, and today's topic is so key. One of our scriptures, if I may, was, Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And so mm. Linda knows that I'm, I've been an aspiring writer for over 30 years, and it has mm. not come to fruition. And I believe it's what the, uh, your host had said, that when you know that it's God's mandate for your life, as opposed to just a passion, maybe that's mm-hmm. what puts the fire under us and say. This is one of the mandates. I've got to fulfill this purpose because it's not just something I think is cool to do. It's cool to do because God created me to do it. Yes. (laughs) And so I just wanted to call in to say I'm going to rewind it and listen to everything he said because it's so inspiring to hear him say the things that they did to to, to live out their purpose. So, thank you. Mm-hmm. Oh, thank you so much, Margot. I appreciate your call and thanks for listening. Thank you. And Margot, I, I would encourage you to find a writers group. They're they're all over everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, and a- after actually, I finished writing the book. I, I you know got here to Steamboat Springs, Colorado, and, and they have a writer's group, and they're, they're great. And, you know, going to the writer's group every Thursday, you know, it just really helps me stay on track with writing. It's like, okay, I finished my book. I'm done writing. Like, it's like, no, I'm starting. And mm-hmm. the um, the group is always there to encourage us, and they read what they've written, and I read what I've written. And, um, you know, it's also an opportunity to be light and salt, uh, with your writing, because you know there's only really a, a couple Christians in the group, but what I write about is Christian based, so they get to hear it every week, right? You know, whether they want to or not, yeah. they get the gospel preached to them um, because that's what I'm writing about. And you know, the, uh, the bigger part of of course, what I'm saying is having that group of friends, that accountability, mm-hmm. you know, the, the encouragement. To, to keep on going and to keep on writing and saying, you know, yeah, you could do things better. And there are people in the group that have published several books, and they're the ones that are the happiest to get criticism about their writing because mm-hmm. it's like, yeah, okay, that's a good idea. I'll put that in. Oh, yeah, that's a wonderful thought here. And um, it becomes an iron sharpens iron. So whatever your gifting is, yeah. whether it's writing or music or painting or whatever, you know, find a group of like-minded people that can support you and encourage mm-hmm. you to keep on moving forward. Beautiful suggestion. Thank you, Michael. And Margo, I hope that um, you will be able to find a group that you can, uh, of writers, and you can encourage each other and have accountability together. We've had another caller who's tried to get in, but 
the call has dropped a couple of times, unfortunately. Um, caller at 703-303-prefix. Um, we know you're trying to get in, and we hope to get your call. We have another caller at 917-prefix. Oh, 917-prefix-405. Uh, a 917 area code, 405. Just press 1 and you're on live with us. Oops, we lost them. Caller, if you're still listening at 917-405, please try to call us back. That call dropped. Um, But, Michael, while we're waiting, to hopefully those callers can get back to us. Um... One of my favorite questions to ask is, I mean, this has been a very enlightening discussion in terms of your uh, your perspectives, your um, dealing with challenges of life as challenges, but not as things that are are um, going to stop you in your tracks or make you uh, stoppable. Uh, what what would you say you want more of in this season or in this year of your life? What do you want more of? Oh, that's a wonderful question. Um, more more people to to connect with. Um, you know, uh, more people contacting. And my challenge, uh, Linda, is. Um, you know, I do live at 8,100 feet on the mountains of Colorado, and I have a lot of people that call me. But mm-hmm. I'm getting, you know, a nudging that I really need to reach out more. And so there's mm-hmm. this thing called social media, right? Facebook and LinkedIn and <laughs> and, and whatever. Uh-huh. And, uh, and, you know, I have to confess I don't like it. <laughs> I don't, you know... <laughs> enjoy spending the time reading about, you know, certain things that people are posting. And I Mm -hmm. I just want to have meaningful conversations and not superficial ones. So my challenge, you know, for 2017 has been to try to find a way to get meaningful interchanges with people in social media that um, Mm. is going to benefit both of us. And, you know, I maybe I just need to get my head around the fact that you do need to read about everybody's um, events in their lives before you can get into what they're going to. But I don't know. I, mm-hmm. I just, just feel inspired that there's probably another way to reach out to people through social media and get mm-hmm. um, you know, deeper, meaningful conversations going without having to, you know, have too much chit-chat, if you understand what I'm saying. I do. I do. Interesting. Um, I think the platforms were probably created for some of both, but they have gotten a bend toward more of a light-level interaction than something more substantive. Not that I'm an Uh expert on the platforms of social media, but... I have brought myself into, I'm one of the, I think, later uh, bloomers with social media, and I appreciate where you're coming from in terms of, you know, what you're looking for. 
So uh, I was, I was going to ask, and I assume that's probably the kind of hurdle you want to overcome in this year is the um, resistance to social media. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I need to make it my friend and not my enemy. Um, in other words, <laughs> yeah. just em- embrace it as the new telephone, um, you mm-hmm. know, as the, the new communication device. And, you know, maybe I'm destroying yeah. my age here, Linda, but, you know, we'll see No, no. Well, not to me anyway, because I, I greatly understand what you're, what you're saying and where you're coming from. I think of our listeners out there, um, I I wonder sometimes, you know, in terms of how people of one generation view social media and people of, you know, younger generations view it differently. I love if anybody's out there who has a thought about that and want to call in and and just share what they see as that value with um, having substantive uh, dialogue and communication using social media. Um. Michael, I'd love to to hear um, what is one of the things that people who meet you are surprised to learn about you? <laughs> yeah, um, <laughs> you know, ethics and risk management for Christian coaches, right? Oh, so the guy's got to be, you know, really straightforward. Oh, he, you know, he lives in northern Germany. He's going to be, you know, really tight and um, so. They, they they get to know me and it's like, oh, wow, you know, he's a real person and he's actually kind of Who fun to talk to. Yeah, you know, um, yeah, you know not, nobody wrote a book on ethics and risk management for Christian coaches. It needed to be done. But that doesn't mm-hmm. mean that we live in a world of rules and regulations. You know, it's actually quite the opposite is, you know, like mm-hmm. I learned from my own experiences, if you actually know the boundaries and know where um, you, you can play, then you can enjoy okay. the, the playground because you're, you're safe with the fence around you. Just, you know, crossing mm-hmm. that fence takes risks, and sometimes you need to take those risks, and, and, and there are ways to do those too. There's a way to go into the wilderness, and, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think people are sometimes surprised at, how uh, light uh, a conversation about ethics or risk can actually be because really what you're talking about is enjoying what God is giving us without being afraid of it. Mm. Oh, I love the way you said that. Yeah, I would confess, I think the idea of ethics and risk management in coaching is... um, being able to enjoy what God has given us is not what readily comes to mind. So I greatly appreciate your reframing that. Um, I'd like to, uh, as we get ready to wrap up here, I'm sorry, callers who were trying to get in, if you are still able to listen, I'm sorry that your calls dropped um, before we were able to connect with you. Um but, Michael, my very favorite question to ask guests is, what story do you want your life to tell? Oh, yeah. You know, I've thought about this often. You know, the the guy that's on his porch at 80-whatever years old and is reflecting back and next to him is um, 
in the basket with regrets. Well, I I want there to be no regrets in my basket. I don't want Mm. there to be, you know, oh, I should have spent more time with, um, you know, my family or I should have spent more time. And that's what I said. You know, it always seems to me uh, to be always the value of time. Um, mm-hmm. And so I would like people to say he spent a lot of time helping people, um, and mm-hmm. I'll let the the world and the receiver decide whether that time spent was effective. Um, I would hope it would be, but at least I know for myself that I gave a lot of my time to helping people, and that was my priority. And um, in the end. That's what I can take with me is knowing that my time spent on earth was, um, you know, spent in such a way that it wasn't about me, it was about others. Beautifully said. Beautifully said. We should all reach for for such a life story. Um, and lastly, um, would you just share any parting word that you want with our listeners? Well, you know, um, what, what comes to mind is, is Matthew uh, 6, uh, verses, you know, 19 through, tw- through 21. You know, don't store up for yourself treasures in heaven, but, you know, uh, treasures on earth, but, but store up treasures in heaven uh, where moth and, and, and rust, you know, don't destroy it. Um, and, and verse 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Um, and I think when you talk about life purpose and moving forward, um, and if you, if you look at, like in my case, I look at how I spend my time because it's my value judgment measurement, um, and say, really, that's how, how is that working? And I know that it's um, a treasure in heaven. That is a absolutely perfect last word. Um, Michael, thank you so much for being my guest today. Um, I know that what you shared will be helpful to many of our listeners as our callers indicated. And we pray will result in someone making inspired choices in their lives, choices inspired by the Holy Spirit. I know you are very busy, so I greatly appreciate your taking the time um, out of your busy schedule to be my guest today. Yes, Linda, thank you for inviting me. It's been a great joy. Uh, You've been a wonderful host, and, um, you know, I'd be happy to to talk to you anytime. You're just really easy, and I pray God's blessings on this ministry, uh, that it would just continue to sow seeds that would have immediate harvest and harvest for decades to come. Thank you so much. Thank you. And now um, to wrap up today's show, ladies out there, if you or a friend or colleague wants more information on how Christian coaching can help you to move forward faster, to move toward more rewarding living this year. Go to my website at www.lindastevensjones.com. And to our listeners and callers, thank you for being a part of this community 
And I hope you heard something that encouraged you today. And as you're thinking about starting to test your limits, I want to leave you another thought-provoking quote by Bruce Wilkerson from The Dream Giver. He says, quote, God has put a driving passion in you to do something special. Why wouldn't he? You are created in his image and the only person exactly like you in the universe. No one else can do your dream, unquote. Don't wait another day, audience. Push, stretch, test your limits so that you can do your dream. Remember to help me spread the word by sharing the link for the show replay and mark your calendars to tune in to the next broadcast on March 7th right here at 12 noon Eastern. Until then, stay blessed.